Welcome to Dan Dan the Pearman Podcast, brought to you by all things strange, unusual, and unknown in the world. Take a walk with me, your host Dan, as we explore the world of the strange, unusual, unexplained, and the unknown. During our time together, we will look at facts, findings, experiences, and research of current and past encounters. It is my pleasure and passion of the supernatural and unknown that has sparked this podcast to life in a small city in central Michigan. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into today's episode. The episode this week is going to be a little bit different than most of the episodes from last season as I'm preparing for a well-deserved vacation next week to Salem, Massachusetts uh, to do some sightseeing and to attend an event. I don't have as much time as I would like to sit down and type out every episode and get this week's episode typed up, recorded, edited, and uploaded as well as next week's and the weeks after. So I'm just going to tell you some interesting ghost stories that I've found and go from there. The first one is called The Ghost Truck Stop. On his way to get married, a military man and his best friend set off on an 800-mile road trip from North Carolina to Lafayette, Indiana. It's 1 a.m. on a cold January night in 2014, and the man tells that the weather is bad and temperatures are in the negative double digits. As the pair close in on Indianapolis, they discover they have no money to pay for gas to refuel the car and are about to run out. Growing up in the trucking industry with my dad, I decided to stop at a truck stop, the man explains. But because the main interstates were shut down due to the weather, they had got off the highway in search for a truck stop along the back roads instead. We found a smaller truck stop. It had one truck, and it was just kind of strange. It was just a blacked-out truck with a blacked-out trailer. There were no real markings on it, nothing distinguishable, he says. They went in hoping a clerk or waitress would spot them a few dollars for gas, enough to make it to Indianapolis, at which time they would go to the bank, take out cash, and pay back the loan. Inside, they found a tidy diner occupied by a waitress, cook, and a lone truck driver. I went inside, talked to this driver, and he bought us a cup of coffee. We sat there and talked for about 30 minutes, about what was going on and why we were headed where we were and what we were doing there. He gave us 20 bucks for gas. I went outside, pumped our gas, came back in and told him, hey, I really appreciate it. I'll be back. Making good on his word, the man got cash from the bank upon arriving in Indianapolis and returned to the diner. When we arrived at about 10 o'clock in the morning, it's all boarded up. It looks like it's been abandoned for years and the truck's gone. But we had just been in there. They pull in anyway and find a police officer parked in the lot. 
They explain what happened just hours before, to which the cop chuckles and replies, Oh, you met the ghost of three. So, two military members converse, had a cup of coffee with, interacted with, three people at a diner that had a fuel pump, I got $20 worth of gas, says the man. When I came back, it's been boarded up for... If I remember correctly, the cop said it had been boarded up for the last 25 years. The next story is called The Grandmas in the Cemetery. Jeff, a resident of Dayton, Ohio, was driving with his three-year-old son, Miles, in the backseat when they passed by a cemetery. It was a modest cemetery with only flowers and small plaques. It basically looks like a giant garden, Jeff explains. According to Jeff, as they drove by his toddler, who had been happily singing, abruptly stopped, pointed to the cemetery, and exclaimed, Look at all those people. Jeff turned to look, but didn't see a soul. Confused, he asked Miles, What are you talking about? All those people over there, his son replied. There sure are a lot of grandmas. As Jeff tells it, chills ran down his spine, as he asked his son what the people were doing. They're all standing there, looking down at the grass, Miles said. Completely unsettled by the conversation, Jeff sped up and drove home. Later that same day, he says his son was watching TV when he turned to Jeff and said, You know, they weren't alive. Thinking Miles was referring to the cartoon, Jeff asked what he meant. Those people we saw. They were all paused his son replied. I don't know if my kid has a sixth sense, Jeff says, or if he just has a wild imagination. So this is a widely known ghost story uh, in the paranormal world. It's the ghost of the Stanley Hotel. The Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado has been around for more than 100 years and was built as a posh getaway for the wealthy seeking solitude in the mountains. As the years passed, however, occupancy declined and by the 1970s, the Grand Hotel had fallen into disrepair. It was around that time that famed author Stephen King spent the night there and was inspired to write the book, The Shining. The book and blockbuster film helped return the Stanley Hotel to its former glory. Now, guests come in droves to see the hotel that inspired one of the scariest horror movies of all time. Given its history, it should come as no surprise that many visitors report strange happenings. Aware of the ghostly rumors, Texas resident Henry Yao booked a last-minute getaway in April of 2016 to check it out. After arriving, Yao had dinner then wandered around the Stanley to take pictures. Stopping at the staircase, he waited for people to clear the area, then took a picture, thinking nothing of it. Later that night, however, Yao fell seriously ill. I felt really sick. I had the shivers. I was like, something's really wrong. His companion suggested he go to the emergency room, but Yao refused. 
On the trip home, Yao began swiping through the photos he had taken when he discovered what he said was a really, really strange image of someone standing on the stairs, except no one had been there. The next day, he posted the picture on Instagram, half-joking that he had captured a ghost, and the whole world took notice. Almost overnight, Yao found himself in the limelight with his ghost picture warranting attention from global media outlets and paranormal experts who wanted to examine the photo. Some experts say that there's two ghosts, and other people say that the reason I got sick is because the ghost was trying to materialize, taking energy out of me, he said. There's so many theories about this. And what does Yao think? I have no idea, he says with a laugh. The next one is uh, The Hauntings at the Lizzie Borden House. On August 4th, 1892, Andrew and his wife, Abby Borden, were found brutally murdered in their Fall River, Massachusetts home. Though murder wasn't uncommon in the late 1800s, the fact that they were bludgeoned to death with an axe and the main suspect was their 32-year-old daughter, Lizzie Borden. The crime and trial that followed made headlines around the world. Lizzie was ultimately acquitted of murder, but she remains forever linked to the heinous killings, as does the home where the crime was committed. Now a bed and breakfast and museum, the Borden home attracts history buffs and thrill seekers who come to see for themselves if rumors that the house is haunted are indeed true. When I started working here, it was more of the history. I really didn't care about the paranormal. Suzanne St. John, a realtor and tour guide at the Lizzie Borden House tells. However, that all changed after St. John says she experienced a few unusual happenings of her own. Guests tell us they hear laughing and playing in the middle of the night. Things get moved around, she says. And St. John has experienced a few unusual things herself, saying that once she discovered toys scattered across a room that no one had been in. St. John also talks of a pitcher that fell over and slid two feet across the floor without any plausible explanation, as well as a closet door that had once opened on its own. On the eve of the anniversary of Andrew and Abby's murder, St. John says that she and two other tour guides at the house felt a sudden sharp piercing pain in their left eyes, the same exact location of Andrew Borden's fatal injuries. Perhaps the most unsettling, however, is the story St. John tells of a tour guide at the Lizzie Borden house who asked her group to silence their cell phones before beginning the tour. Moments later, a guest cell phone rang. She looked up and said, it's my mom. The tour guide asked if she wanted to leave and take the call, to which the woman replied, she died two years ago. Next is the ghost of Captain Joseph White. Though Salem, Massachusetts is best known for its infamous witch trials, there have been plenty of other chilling stories throughout its 400-year history, 
One of them is the tale of Captain Joseph White, a wealthy merchant who was found bludgeoned to death in his bed. It was a crime motivated by money, according to Giovanni Albiso, owner and tour guide at Salem Historical Tours, who says the 82-year-old merchant was allegedly targeted by greedy brothers hoping to get their hands on his will. Brothers Joseph and Francis Knapp enlisted the help of Richmond Crowninshield to help get the job done. Late in the evening, when Captain White was asleep, Dick Crowninshield comes in. He goes upstairs to the second floor and takes a club and bashes the captain over the head and crushes his skull. The murder resulted in a scandalous trial and is said to be the inspiration for Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart, as well as the game Clue. Whether it's the brutal nature of the crime or revenge for the attempt to steal his money, the spirit of Captain Joseph White is said to still wander the halls of his former home. People believe Captain White is roaming around that house, protecting whatever treasure he reportedly has. Tourists take pictures of the house, and despite being empty, many pictures reveal shadowy figures, both male and female, in the windows and on the landing of the Gardner Pingree house. Who are they? No one knows. It's definitely, absolutely active, Alabiso says. The next one is called The Unexpected Passenger. In the 1990s, Julie, a resident of Portland, Oregon, was driving out of the city to meet with friends when she found herself in traffic. The 18-year-old soon discovered that the cause of the slowdown was due to a dreadful car crash, and to her horror, as she passed the scene, she realized that someone had died. A few moments later, there was a woman sitting in my passenger seat, Julie says. Though she admits it sounds crazy, Julie reports seeing a woman dressed in work clothes sitting next to her. And despite being in complete shock, the woman in the passenger seat was even more freaked out. She looked like somebody who just suddenly ended up in somebody else's car, Julie says. Panicked. The woman demanded to know how she got there and who Julie was. It was then that Julie noticed the woman had an unearthly quality about her and realized that whoever she had passed on the side of the road was somehow in the car with her. Ma'am, you need to calm down. My name is Julie and I'm here to help. She says, Julie later went on to explain to the woman that she had been in a car accident and somehow ended up in her passenger seat. The woman was stricken. At that exact minute, they passed a clearing in the trees. With some encouragement from Julie, the woman peacefully walked toward the sun, then disappeared. In complete disbelief, Julie pulled over and convinced herself she had imagined the whole thing. Several days later, however, a story came on the news about a trucker injured in a car accident. Before they finished, they threw a picture up of the woman that was in my car and explained that she had passed away in the accident. It was unbelievable. It was too much. The Ghosts of Shawshank Penitentiary The Ohio State Reformatory 
in Mansfield, Ohio, is widely known for being the location of the classic movie, The Shawshank Redemption. But the old penitentiary, which was shut down in 1990, also has a reputation for being haunted. Home of some of the most hardened criminals, the maximum security prison was once the site of murders, suicides, and other violent encounters, according to Teresa Argy, author and paranormal investigator known as the Haunted Housewife. The reformatory had this incredible vein of violence that ran through it almost from the beginning. You can imagine why a place like that would be haunted, she says. There's something negative there. You can just feel it in your bones. And there are, in fact, plenty of ghost stories from the old prison. We ran into female spirits there, which I thought was incredibly interesting, Argy said. One of them, she says, is likely the wife of a former warden who was accidentally shot and killed while pulling a box down from a closet shelf. According to Argy, they have captured recordings of a woman crying and on occasion smelled rose perfume in the bedroom. Another spirit that's said to haunt the reformatory is a woman who sits in the prison chapel and cries. When you approach this woman sitting in the pew, she disappears. Other people have seen her walking. Then there's the malevolent presence there. And with the help of a medium, she says she communicated with it. He would literally be cussing at me, she recalled. While their sessions with the angry ghost were unnerving, it wasn't until he followed Argy's partner home that they were truly terrified. One day she saw him through a reflection of her window. She saw this thing in the back, this shadow figure, and she knew it was him. After seeking the help of a paranormal expert, Argy says that we haven't seen him since. The Phantom Ambulance Lights In the mid-1990s, Robert worked as a paramedic in a small Texas town and tells the story of a strange happening that he and his partner experienced on a call one night. After receiving a call for a female having chest pains, he and his partner climbed in the ambulance to make their way to the address. We took off, code three, which means using our emergency lights and sirens, Robert recalls. In the absence of GPS back then, Robert says that they relied on maps and mailbox numbers to guide them to the rural location. The address we were going to was a very rural one, so there was no street lights and it was a very dark night so it was very difficult to read the mailboxes. As they searched for the correct driveway, Robert says he turned off the sirens. After determining they had found it, they pulled in only to discover they were mistaken. So we turned off the emergency lights as we backed up on the road and went up to the correct driveway, he explains. Upon arriving at the scene, the paramedics realized that they had been at the exact same address the month prior for a male suffering from cardiac arrest. In typical medical black humor fashion, we mentioned to each other that this was probably the wife who was now having a heart attack and was now going to go join her husband. 
they jumped from the ambulance, bags in tow, and began treating the woman, who, fortunately, ended up being alright. Robert says, He sent his partner to get the stretcher from the ambulance so they could take her to the hospital for evaluation. When he returned, he had this strange, questioning look on his face. The pair wheeled the patient out to the emergency vehicle, and that's when Robert saw that the ambulance had nearly every light it was equipped with turned on. Strobe lights, floodlights, some interior lights, everything on. And taking the patient to the hospital, Robert asked his partner why he had turned on all the lights. He hadn't. In fact, he reminded Robert that they had shut them all off after going to the wrong address. Neither of us recall activating the emergency lights, strobes, or floodlights when we arrived at the house. There was no reason to do so. We had already gotten there. In the end, we wrote it off as her dead husband, letting her know that he was still there. As we finish off this not-so-typical episode of Dan Dan the Paraman, I just want to thank you all for listening to the podcast this week and every other week. And if you are an avid listener of Dan Dan the Paraman, please like, follow, review, and share with everyone you know. Also, send us a quick email to dandantheparamanpodcast at gmail.com to join our email list for weekly reminders of new episodes and any other exciting news. You can find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and now iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts from, as well as at Instagram, at dandantheparamanpodcast. You can find us on Facebook now as well, just search Dan Dan the Paraman. You can listen uh, to the podcast online at Dan Dan the Paraman Podcast.buzzsprout.com. And again, through our email at Dan Dan the Paraman Podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email with all of your strange encounters or ghost stories that you might have to possibly end up on a future episode. And stay tuned for more fun facts, findings, and experiences of current and past strange, unusual, and unknown encounters. You can also find all of this information in the show notes as well.